Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I am Greg. We do this every week, usually. <laughs> I am your host today, and we're going to be talking about, well, a few different things. So one, uh, we're going to talk about the recently released Final Fantasy VII trailer. Um, not so much about the trailer, but we want to talk a little bit about when's it appropriate to spoil things. I think that'll be an interesting conversation. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, then we're going to move on to... Uh, the this really cool thing that popped up about the creators of the Super Mario Super Show, if you remember, that was a cartoon in the 90s, uh, and it was basically uh, they had they were going to pitch other shows, and this recently surfaced at an eBay auction of all places. So this might have been known already, but this is this was revealed, and I didn't know it, and uh, it was revealed, and uh, and so that sold at auction. Uh, and then we're going to talk about I'm finally going to get to my Avengers Endgame. Spoiler full, not spoiler free, spoiler full walkthrough of the movie and my impressions. And so we're going to talk about that. And uh, yeah, and then and then uh, firstly, I'm going to share a a great, great, great uh, rummage. Well, I shouldn't overhype it one way. It's, it's a good story from rummaging this weekend. So I found some good stuff. Uh, and so I'll tell you a, a story from from rummaging this weekend. And then I, of course, uh, have my uh, game of the week picked out already, and uh, I have a user question, so we're going to be going through that, and uh, and that's it. Uh, and then we'll start the show. We're going to get hit. Uh, we're going to hit hit the ground running, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna rock it right here. Um, so the first thing we're going to talk about on the podcast today is rummaging, um, and and my my rummage sale story. And actually, you know. I didn't even get that far into the podcast today before totally derailing the thing. And so I'm going to start this over. <laughs> um, uh, this is, this is so frustrating to me. I know I'm so bad at this. I'm so bad at this podcasting thing. Um, I'm just, so I wanted to make this like when I want to make these YouTube video, like my idea is that I try to make as much content as I can from like one piece of, content so like when i record this podcast I like to chop it up into smaller videos as a lot of you know either you watch this on youtube or you uh you know you listen to it <clears throat> and so what sucks though is when i'm trying to like i want to do a story i gotta have something in the background for the people watching and so usually i try to pick something that's relevant so i'll type in something like rummage sale and i just want a picture of like what a rummage sale looks like you know and it's you know just it's all you come up with are stupid signs saying rummage sale. Like show me an actual picture of a rummage sale. And then they do that. But then you can't click on like a large picture of it. You know, <laughs> it's just frustrating. Just show me the pic. Let me click on the picture. God, it's so annoying. Um, anyway, so you know what I'll do? I'll just do what I usually do and just leave this, the Google images search up in the background and we'll talk about it. So let me just re restart that real quick and, uh, and we'll go. So first up on the podcast today, we're telling my story of rummaging last week. Uh, so it, it was a pretty wild one. So my strategy typically for rummaging is, yes, I'm, I'm looking for stuff for the store mostly. Obviously would look for stuff for myself as well. And sometimes there's non-gaming related stuff I would buy. Pieces of electronic equipment, uh, actually gardening stuff, you know, little things like that. I found some, some, some paint brushes really cheap that my wife and I are going to be painting our bedroom soon. So little things like that. So I'm always looking for things like that. Uh, this, this week, uh, what I like to do is I like to go to citywide rummage sales because if I'm going out of town, you know, a half hour, hour, hour and a half, like it was this week, I want to make sure there's going to be a lot of rummage sales there. Cause you don't want to go to a town, drive an hour and a half there to be able to hit 10 rummage sales in a, in a, in a couple hours. And a lot of these smaller towns that really spread out. So it's, it's difficult. Well, this, this past weekend was the citywide rummage for Iola. And Iola is a small, small town in central Wisconsin, only slightly larger than the town I grew up in, about 15 minutes away, called Rochelle. And so I grew up in Rochelle, uh, and that's where my family still lives. And so my my uh, my mom was out of town for Mother's Day, unfortunately, but my, my dad and I, he's actually the one who took me rummaging the first time, and he loves rummage. I love to rummage. It's just something we both love to do. Best part is he doesn't care about games, so you're not stepping on each other's toes. He's looking for old fishing stuff, and I'm looking for video games. So we're, we're not fighting over things, so it's great. Uh, so we decided to go to Iola for the citywide, 
And uh, and so I looked up some of the houses that are that were doing the rummage sale, and I did a quick search of their of their listings. And one place said they were going to have Nintendo, Super Nintendo, PS2, and DS games. Like, well, that sounds pretty good. I mean, you don't often find Nintendo games at rummage sales anymore. It just doesn't really happen. I should say around here. I mean, maybe maybe that is still a thing. People are finding them out in other places. Not so much here. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go there. They open at eight o'clock. I'm going to get there by like seven thirty. Because you never know if someone opens early. And uh, and so I get out there. I, I leave my house at like 6 o'clock in the morning. Get there by 7.20. And I kid you not. I don't know if he listens to the podcast. But I kid you not. I get there. And there's somebody waiting already at this house. And it's like a regular at my store. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? I'm a little deflated. Because I drove an hour and a half to get here. That person probably drove an hour to get here. And now we're like, well, it would have been nice to... Uh, to get everything scooped up right away when they open. But I guess, you know, it's whatever. Maybe we can, maybe we can sell this like gentleman <laughs> and, and, and I'll take a fair share. You take a fair share and, and we'll all go home happy. Maybe. Uh, so, so we're there and I recognize him. He recognizes me. He comes out of his truck and we're chatting a little bit before they're open. And we're like, Hey, how are you? What are you looking for? And he's like, Oh, I'm looking for pretty much anything. I'm like, well, <laughs> Me too. You know, like I was trying to say something like, Hey, and I had this thought for a second. I had this thought that said, like, should I just go somewhere else? Should I just not do this rummage sale? Because I don't want to, I don't want to make him mad if he knows that I'm buying stuff for a store, you know, and I'm not, I'm, cause I'm not like a, I don't want to be considered like a scumbag reseller, you know, but people like this also aren't necessarily buying stuff only for themselves. You know what I mean? Like they're buying things that they know are worth more and then they can trade them for other games or sell them to stores to make money. So it's not like I'm, I'm the only one here trying to make money. Oops. I got to turn my iPad off. Um, and so, you know, I, I had the thought for a second, like, hey, should I just get out of here? You know, like, should I just let him have it? And should I just pack it up? You know, I had that thought. I had that thought. And uh, and I thought, no, that's not right either. I think it's still fair to, uh, you know, I think it's still fair to partake in this rummage sale. So I'm there and, and it's about 730 Another car rolls up, parks behind me. I'm like, oh god! So now you have three people waiting. This is excellent. Uh, before this door is open, another car pulls up. <laughs> so now we have four people, essentially waiting to get to this rummage sale. <laughs> it's you're just like, ugh. So then you know, so so the first guy that I was talking to, he gets out of his truck now and he's standing like in the driveway. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm not getting in line for a rummage sale. This isn't, this isn't black Friday at Walmart. Okay. I'm just, I don't want to do it. It just seems obnoxious to me. I really had that conversation. I thought about leaving like three or four times, Like, no, no, this place has games. And, and really I also thought to myself, these guys aren't going to take, you know, garbage DS games, but I will because they fill this, they fill the shelves and, uh, and the average game is your bread and butter. I say it all the time. And so, uh, so the garage door opens and this little old lady is kind of coming out and people, we all start just walking towards the door and she goes, we're not open yet. <laughs> like this, just, just the crankiest grandma voice you've ever heard. We're not open yet. And then I hear another voice from inside the garage who you can't see. And she just goes, Oh, just let him in. Oh, just let him in. <laughs> and so, so that she's like, okay, fine. So, so then we all walk in. There's only one garage door open. We walk in and it's a pretty small garage a pretty shallow, small garage. And we walk in and at the closest to the house is the table. It's the video game table. Everything on this table is video game related. And so we all walk up to it. It was weird. Like all four of us walked up to it and we all had our spot, you know, like I was on the far right and the other three people were boom, boom, boom. And it is just, like I said earlier, it is like Walmart on a Black Friday. It is grab, grab, grab. So all of a sudden you see stuff and you're just boom, grab it. NES, Super Nintendo, boom, grab it. Uh, N64, boom, grab it. Uh, this, that, and that, grab everything. So I end up getting uh, I end up getting a couple Super Nintendo games. I get Mario World and Mario All-Stars for five bucks each. Very happy about that. I get Brain Lord. It's a, a, an, un, like a, a lesser known Enix RPG uh, for five bucks. Uh, and then I got Super C for regular Nintendo for 50 cents. <laughs> I got uh, um, I got Tecmo Super Bowl for a quarter. <laughs> it's just like these prices were bonkers. And so I grabbed all as much as I could. And then I got really mad because when I grabbed Brain Lord, the guy next to me grabbed the booklet for Brain Lord. And, he, and I was like, 
well, I'm like, are you going to give me the booklet for that since I have the game? And he just kind of says, I'm like, well, I want the game. And I'm like, well, I have the booklet. Like, screw you, dude. I have the game. Why wouldn't you give me the booklet? I was really mad about that. I was steaming about it for a few minutes. And, uh, and he, and he got Mario RPG for 10 bucks, uh, on Super Nintendo, which I did not get, uh, which is relevant to the story later. So stick with me here. So then we're going through, we're grabbing a bunch of stuff. And, and so those are some of the ones I grabbed. I think I got Metal Gear Solid for 50 cents on PS1, uh, Dukes of Hazard for 50 cents. Like there was stuff that they didn't want to. And I was taking everything like that table was empty. They op- they didn't they op- didn't open till eight. They opened technically at like seven forty because we were all there and all the games were gone by seven forty five. <laughs> like they, they were all gone. So the I'm like the last one to get rung up. So I'm watching because I'm looking at some other stuff. So here's some of the other stuff that I missed. So this is some of the stuff I caught that I missed. Uh, one of the guys got uh, Grandia three, Sukaden four, and Disgaea for PS two. Got all those for like a buck a piece. I think the PS two games were fifty cents or a buck a piece. The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past strategy guide for Super Nintendo two bucks. <laughs> it was, it was crazy, man. Uh, there was a boxed copy of Zoda's revenge, a boxed copy of air fortress for regular Nintendo. There was, it was, it was interesting, the variety of stuff that was there. And, uh, and, and so what's funny though, is we all ended up getting like a handful of stuff. It actually worked out pretty well. Like, like the law of averages was applied. Um, everyone got a fair share. It actually was pretty democratic i suppose but i was still steaming a little bit about that brain lord booklet you know and i kept thinking like should i say something you know i'm I'm far enough away from home where i could probably say something and the guy might not shop in my store so he won't be a jerk to me but i also try not to i mean in general be a jerk to people (laughs) but you know but i was kind of mad about this one so i was thinking to myself should i just say something like are you really going to keep the brain lord booklet, man? Like, like i was going to go there i was going to get kind of sassy with him you know i was up early i hadn't had my caffeine yet and, uh, and so I was like, no, just, you never know who's a future customer. Don't burn a bridge before, it, you know, forget it. It's just a booklet. You don't care. And so then that guy's checking out and I'm, I'm watching the stuff that he bought and, and, and he's going through and he, he has like that game, he has Mario RPG and then he pulls out the brain Lord booklet and, uh, <laughs> and I'm just looking at it like, and then the lady kind of goes, oh, and like, cause there were two old ladies, the really, really old lady who yelled at us in the beginning. She's like ringing him up, but she's like, well, what was this for this, this thing here? And the lady, the other lady's like, oh, that's just a booklet for the game. And it was the brain Lord booklet, you know? <laughs> and, and I'm just watching him like, that's my brain Lord booklet. What? Ugh. And I'm frustrated. And then he says something like, well, this is a booklet for a different game, but I didn't get the booklet for my game. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so I look at my pile. I kid you not. I've got the booklet for Mario RPG. So I thought I he was being a jerk to me for taking Brainlord. I was the jerk. I took his Mario RPG manual. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I felt so terrible. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I grabbed this. I said, I was like mad at you because I thought you took the Brainlord book, but you took it and then this, oh, I'm so sorry. Here you go. And I gave him the Mario RPG booklet and he gives me the Brainlord booklet. <laughs> It's just so stupid. Um, but yeah, so then I'm, I'm watching them all check out. And while they're checking out, I decided to go back to the table because they didn't care about like basic stuff. Bunch of DS games, you know, they're only five bucks a piece. Maybe I'm talking stuff like, you know, Disney afternoon shows. Like, um, I don't I don't even know some of them. Like, like, let's rock the house or something like that. And it's got like a guitar in the front. You know, stupid crap like that. But they've got them for a quarter. I'm like, I'll take a DS game for a quarter. That's like, you could have, she could have brought all this stuff to my store and I would have paid her more than she got like by miles. It would have been even worth the drive, I think. And, and, and so, um, so I, I pick up all stuff. They had a guitar hero, one bundle, the PS2 game, the guitar all in the box and everything. 50 cents. Like 50 cents. Who's coming up with these prices? I, I don't get it. 50 cents. No problem. Uh, for $4, they had like a toy that was a, an Elder Scrolls statue. One of the Bethesda store, like not a statue, but like an action figure. Kind of looks like a McFarlane, but they're bigger. I don't, I don't think it's a NECA figure, but it might be. And so that they have for four bucks. I'm like, do these go for 40 bucks? Like I had one of those a few months ago. No one else wanted it. I'm like, all right, boom. So I get this figure. Uh, and so it was funny how it all kind of worked out. I was very happy with what I got. And yeah, I was a little bummed that like I missed certain things, but I thought it was pretty fair. You know, everyone seemed to get something that they really wanted. And, and I thought that was kind of interesting how it worked out because I could have walked up and just imagine if I'd walked up and like grabbed everything, how unfair that would have been for everybody else. Uh, so that was, you know, so it was fine. Um, so it actually worked out really well. Now here's the funny thing about this. So Last year, I, I always go rummaging in Iola because it's so close and I hang out with my mom and dad. This year, not with my mom, but I uh, hung out with my dad, so we went rummaging. I just picked this house because it was the only one that said they had video games. Well, as soon as I pulled up, though, 
I recognize that it's the same house I went to last year and got some cool video game stuff. Now, last year, the citywide was supposed to only be on Saturday. So I went on Saturday with my parents, had a pretty good day rummaging, actually, uh, you know, all things considered. But Friday was when that one opened. And she said, oh, because they had a couple things there, actually. And she had like this light up uh, cheek Pikachu, like plushy thing last year. And I bought that for, I think, a dollar. I sold it for like $40. It was crazy. But it's Pokemon and it was like a light up Pikachu. This thing was awesome. So so I still got some good stuff there. But when I went there, she said something along the lines of, oh, you should have been here yesterday. Oh, we had people lined up outside. And there was tons of game stuff for sale. And it all went really quickly. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And so when I went to the house this year and it was the same house, I thought, now, if they sold all this stuff and had this many people waiting last year, why aren't they, why, how do they not know that this stuff's worth more money or, or where are they getting this stuff? Like, are they just going through boxes in their basement and finding like more video game stuff to put out for sale? And it's such a wide variety. It's so strange. So I don't know. I'm thinking about maybe contacting them and just saying something like, Hey, do you have like are you how do you get these game things because i go to your rummage sale every year is this something that you're finding i said because maybe i could go in their basement and just dig through it and and buy everything you know at once but who knows maybe they go rummaging and they find game stuff bring it back but my goodness like the prices they're selling stuff at's crazy i mean a quarter for tecmo super bowl and then 50 cents for super c i mean all, i mean if you just look them up i mean those are 15 to 20 dollar titles easy um and again i don't care i, I got a, at a good price uh, so yeah, so that was kind of the funny story about it though, uh, was that, so I go there, um, and, and it was, it was, I think it was, it was oddly fair. And then as we were all walking out, I felt bad, like another tr- a car pulled up and like a younger guy got out like, like, uh, like younger than me, maybe twenties, early thirties, maybe gets out, walks in and then almost walks immediately out. Like he knew that we were all walking out with handfuls of game stuff. Like he, he knew there was nothing left. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> but Hey, that's why you can't snooze on rummage sales. That happened to me. I, I, uh, uh, there's another store here in town called Mojo's, and I went to a rummage sale a few weeks ago. Uh, it was supposed to start at 8 o'clock. I get there a little bit after 8 because I kid you not, I hit every red light on the way there. And I, I pull up, and I just see the owner of Mojo's walking out with a big box of stuff and a huge smile on his face. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just drive away. <laughs> you know, I missed it. I missed it by a few minutes. It happens. No big deal. Now, the other thing that's not really game-related, but as I was in this small town, I tweeted this out, but... uh I said, rummaging in Wisconsin, be like, and I shared a picture. And basically it was, you know, one of those, um, I don't even know what you call them. They're, they're, they're like wooden statues. Um, they're horrible caricatures of like an African-American. So it's completely planted like solid black. And it, usually they're sitting on like a bench or they're sitting on like a dock fishing or something is usually how the statues are. And this one was on sale for a hundred bucks. First of all, a hundred dollars. <laughs> for that but it was painted its overalls were painted green and gold and it had a plastic packer helmet on its head like it's just a whole new level of garbage racism (laughs) like like casual racism (laughs) it was hilarious and you see something like that and you're like okay so not only did someone get this they customized it to be a packer player and then they tried to sell it later for a hundred dollars like just burn the damn thing (laughs) It was uh, it was a trip, but yeah, that was my adventures in, in Iola rummaging. I also went to a, a little rummage sale that was at a campgrounds, and I found uh, a Wii Guitar Hero guitar for fifty cents and a copy of WWF In Your House for PS One. It's like a thirteen dollar game. Got that for fifty cents. Yeah, it was great. Found a copy of Minecraft for uh, two fifty. Got a copy of Silent Hill Homecoming for two fifty on three sixty. So like there was you know it was, a, it was a pretty good day. Like I don't go to Iola because it's a very small town. I don't go there like hoping for the big scores. I go there to hang out with my dad and go rummaging. And I but I found a few. That was good. Now if I hadn't had that very first sale at that first house, it definitely would have been a very quiet day. Um, but it was still fun. And, and I I love rummaging. It's just something I love to do. And, and hanging out with my dad, of course, is great. But um yeah, but it was fun. And so so uh citywide, I hit that and my goodness, it was uh it was quite the adventure. All right, so, <laughs> so, so I, I can't stress enough, like, how odd that statue was. It, it I have a picture. Uh, if you ever come into the store and you want to see it, just let me know. I took a picture of it. It is, or check it out on Twitter. Go to, go to uh, look me up at Game Trade Greg on Twitter, and you can, you can see, <laughs> it's, you, it's just terrible. It's also creepy as hell. Like, the eyes are like, uh, like, like, like voodoo witch doctor eyes terrible 
Um, and so uh, it's <laughs> it's just, you know it's rummaging Wisconsin, man. You know there's there's this casual uh, casual racism exists everywhere in this state, especially in the small towns and and whatnot. <laughs> So next up on the podcast today, we're going to talk about this interesting story that came across. Uh, I'm on Game Informer right now. So the, the story is the creators of the Super Mario Super Show had plans for Metroid in Castlevania. And so uh, here's the story from Game Informer. Hey, Paisanos, remember the Super Mario Brothers Super Show? The afternoon block of Mario cartoons in the early 90s that behooved you to swing your arms from side to side? If so, you might also remember some of the other adjacent character shows like Captain N, the Game Master, and Legend of Zelda. Captain N I watched quite a bit back then, actually. I liked Captain N a lot. I thought that was very, very fun. Uh, turns out the company that made all those cartoons had plans for other cartoons based on Metroid, California Games, and Castlevania, and boy were they something. The news actually comes from an eBay listing, where a user by the name of Lance Cannon is selling some pre-production posters from DIC, which were presumably going to be used to pitch these shows. The California Games and Double Dragon ones are interesting though, not particularly notable. Double Dragon did get its chance at airing, but California Games was never released on TV. So that's kind of just the article, right? So I don't know. This might have been known before. I didn't know it, and I thought it was pretty neat. Game Informer picked it up. So they have, uh, um, so they were basically in a pitch for new shows. Now I brought up this because uh, I have all of them here. Um, but first, I want to get to this one. <laughs> this is the most notable one. So you might notice something odd about Samus and fighting this alien. <laughs> Samus is a dude. <laughs> look at the, like um yeah you know <laughs> oops if you watch captain n though those shows weren't particularly accurate like uh, mother brain is a very very horrible stereotypical caricature of an african-american person uh, you know, Simon Belmont was the big chin like, ho ho, I'm the buffoon of the show. And, uh, and uh, Mega Man's voice infamously, you know, I'm Mega Man, you know, like, like all that was just uh, rough, to say the least. So we shouldn't be surprised, maybe, that uh, that Metroid, the Metroid cartoon that they were pitching would be inaccurate. However, it would have been probably pretty cool. I could see a Metroid show, like a week-to-week -week space opera kind of show. I could see that working. It'd be pretty awesome. Um, I'm trying to see now. I think they have uh, descriptions. Uh, let me see here. And 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 to be fair, like Samus being a woman, you didn't know until you beat Metroid. Uh, so so it was kind of a secret. Uh, so I could see that where if someone didn't really play the game all the way through, and back then. This was worse than it is today, where people who are making the media on that side of it aren't—they don't care about the source of show. They're just trying to—they're trying to really quickly get a piece of the game. Um, so let me see. And then I want—so I wanted to show this. This is the four production cells it sold. This is the eBay listing. They bid out. I don't know if you can see that. One thousand thirty-six dollars and fifty-six cents. <laughs> Damn it! I want these. If these had gone for a couple hundred bucks, I'd have been really disappointed that I didn't—that uh, I didn't win because this is actually really cool. I'm very disappointed. Uh, that's really neat. I love it. I love it. So anyway, um, let's get back to it. So this is the Metroid one. Obviously, you see Metroid. For some reason, the word Metroid is all slimy. I don't I don't know where the, the space goop comes from, but he's fighting an alien, which is fine. There's a monster that kind of looks like this in Metroid. That's fine. It's in space. That's a good start. The suit minus the green tint is kind of accurate, you know, so it's, it's here. Um, so we go to the next one. The next one was California Games. <laughs> Why would you ever make a cartoon based on California Games? I don't know. But the artwork is pretty cool. It's just a drawing. But it kind of looks like an album cover. Hand-drawn says California Games. There's a surfboard with four people and a dog on it. Very unsafe. Never surf with four people on a surfboard. It's not safe. There's a shark chasing them with, I think, little fish flying around the shark. Another buff dude is in the water holding his surfboard while standing up. And then there's uh, the, f is that a woman? I think it's a woman. Uh, 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 um, um, uh, a heftier gal uh, in a inner tube uh, sipping a soda. <laughs> the funny thing though, is that the surfboard is at the top of the crest of the wave and they're surfing like, ah, 
and they got this kind of weird look on her face. You know, they got the blonde bikini babe. They got the shock hair sungla- sunglasses. Like he almost looks like a, he has a, a a whistle, so he might be the lifeguard. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the young African-American male with the buzz cut spinning a beach ball, kind of like a basketball. And then you've got essentially what looks like a caveman. It kind of looks like Cousin It with his nose sticking out. And then you've got a dog with the same haircut as that guy has. And he's also the guy's holding like a, what do they call it? A longboard? He's holding a longboard while on a surfboard. Skateboard, I guess, probably what it was back then, but it looks like a longboard. Anyway, perspective-wise, based on how buff dude in the water is standing with his uh, skateboard or surfboard, it means that these people are going to meet their untimely doom as they crash into the beach, which is just so close to them. <laughs> like, they're at the crest of a wave and this guy's standing up, which means the water's very shallow, which means they're going to smash into the, the shore. But I digress. So California Games can be made into a cartoon. Next up was Double Dragon. As we all know, the Double Dragon cartoon came out. I don't know if it was actually based on this because they made it its own cartoon. So I don't know. I don't think it was part of the Super Marvel Super Show Power Hour, I don't think. I think it was its own show. So this might have just been a, a, a startup for a show that didn't get made. It actually looks pretty cool. It shows uh, Billy Lee on the front. Uh, kicking the crap out of two guys. He's kicking one guy in the face, punching another guy with a bat, while Jimmy Lee is just in the air jumping down. Looks like he's actually going to kick Billy Lee (laughs) of all the people to hit. But it looks pretty cool. Personally, I did not like... um, Personally, I did not like the Double Dragon cartoon. I think they tried to get a little too wild with it, but uh, it was very mediocre. And obviously, the Double Dragon movie was, was garbage. And the Double Dragon 5 fighting game isn't very good either. All based off of... You know, that was based off the cartoon as well. So not very good. Uh, But yeah, so Double Dragon doesn't look too bad. And then finally, Castlevania. So you're going to make a Castlevania cartoon. That's awesome. I think that's fantastic. But here's what you see. Okay, so there's a serious lack of Simon Belmont. Let's just say that. On the front is two kids that are scared. Uh, One wearing a varsity jersey and the other one just, I don't know, wearing a tucked in jean shirt. (laughs) So they've got a flashlight. They're shining it on a on a pack of monsters, and the kids are scared. The pack of monsters, you have Frankenstein, you have Death, you have Medusa, you have Dracula, and you have a mummy with teeth and eyes. <laughs> Very weird. Uh, Frankenstein's huge. Death is a skull. All the monsters have their eyes open, too, almost like the monsters are scared, too. Almost like this kind of like, ah, we're both scared of each other. Kind of doesn't make sense. Don't know much else about this one. I mean, that's all I can really say from the cover. But it probably would have been a lighthearted, wackier kind of show. And how disappointing that would have been. Uh, obviously, we've evolved since the Castlevania animated series. It's on Netflix. <laughs> it's actually really good. But yeah, so this was the fourth and final uh, concept art piece. So Metroid is probably the most glaring because you see that you're like, well, Samus is a woman. But I think it's okay to have said that executives and people doing pitches may not have known that because it was kind of a guarded secret in the game until you finished it. Um, but I think this is super cool. I love when stuff like this is unearthed. I love when like hidden things pop up. And again, this might've been known before this article came out, but I didn't know about it. I had never heard about it and it seemed like it's picking up some steam and I saw it on Twitter. I thought it was pretty cool. So I wanted to share that, but I thought, man, this is really cool. Like, if these cartoons had come out, I would have been watching them. And I'm surprised that Nintendo didn't branch out a little bit more with the cartoon aspect because their cartoon shows, I thought, did pretty good. I know Mario obviously did well. And Legend of Zelda did okay, you know. But it, it, I, I don't know. I'm surprised that we didn't see more of this, I guess, with, with the popularity of it. And cartoons were so easy to make back then. It was so cheap. You could have found a studio to make just, like, an absolute garbage cartoon. That probably so would have been okay. But realistically it probably would have been bad like captain n as much as i like that show it's not a quality cartoon it's it's pretty bad actually um but you know <laughs> it is what it is but it, i thought it was cool very cool and if nothing else the art is cool it's like it's a cool time stamp of like hand-drawn art in the early 90s kind of where the style was at the time i think it's excellent and uh, i would have loved to own these but the cool thing is i'm sure someone will take these and do like high-res scans and we can get some maybe i'll get some posters printed or something but it, just excellent just just very cool stuff i love seeing you know hidden treasures kind of unearthed like that all right so um yeah that that's cool man i, I love stuff like that i love uh i love seeing i love seeing unearthed stuff like anytime that something was a secret for a long time or was just buried lost and then it resurfaces i think that's so cool and that and that was a that was a very very uh very very good one so um how do i want to do this do i want to do the end game you know it's end game has been out for a couple weeks now um 
Endgame's been out for a couple weeks now, so I feel like if if you were diehard and wanted to see it right away, you would have seen it. Because we're going on almost three weeks it's been out now. It'll be three weeks this Thursday. So, you know, I'm just going to do Avengers, and if you don't want to hear it, I totally understand. Fast forward about, probably about 20 minutes to a half hour. You know the last 10 minutes of the show, usually 5-10 minutes of the show, is the game of the week. And I have our user question if you want to stick around for that. If you don't, I totally understand. But I'm going to go into Avengers Endgame, my impressions, which are going to be very, very spoiler heavy. So again, last warning, heavy warning spoilers for Avengers. Heavy warning spoilers. We're going to start, I'm going to start the video up and I'm going to say it again, but podcast listeners, heavy, heavy, heavy Avengers Endgame spoilers ahead. And so lastly on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about Avengers Endgame. I've been meaning to talk about this for a while. It's been a couple weeks, um, but it's going to be very spoiler heavy. So please, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you don't want anything spoiled from Avengers Endgame, please stop watching now. Stop listening to the podcast now. This is your final warning. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers away. <laughs> okay. I just have to say that. I just have to say that because, um, well, spoilers are awful. Um, and, and nobody wants to be spoiled. No one wants to have anything ruined because we actually, I didn't cause I had seen the movie, but on Friday, someone called our store and attempted to spoil something for us. So check this out. So I'll tell this story because this includes a spoiler. So last warning spoiler. If you don't want to be spoiled about anything in Endgame, get out. Okay. I mean, I love you and I want to see you back watching our video, but get out right now. Cause I don't want you to be upset with me that I ruined it. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. So someone called the store the, uh, the Friday after Avengers came out. I didn't answer the phone. Dave answered it. I had seen the movie. Dave had not. The person on the phone goes, I'm looking for a certain PS2 game. Can you look for me? And Dave goes, sure. What game are you looking for? And the guy goes, Iron Man dies in Avengers Endgame. He spoiled it for him. The customer just spoiled it for him over the phone. Dave immediately hangs up the phone. Dave's really pissed. You know, he hadn't seen the movie yet. And I don't blame him. I think it's really, really frustrating Like that someone tried to get joy out of that and by taking joy away from someone else. Like, like that, this ultimate scumbag move to me. It was terrible. I can't believe somebody would do that, but sure, of course, somebody did. And uh, and so that was the first thing that got spoiled. So I just wanted to say how annoying spoilers could be. I understand. It's three weeks later. Obviously, the Russo brothers have lifted the embargo on spoilers, but you should still always be very aware, right? Like, if you've seen it, or even if you don't care and like you don't want to watch it, but you listen to this, don't ruin this for somebody else. Like there might still be somebody out there who's got a family, wasn't able to make it to the theater. You know, it's okay if something gets accidentally spoiled, but I don't, it's not okay to purposely go out of your way to try to ruin things for somebody, I think. And that's what happened to us. And that was just terrible. And I wish I had answered the phone because uh, I, I wouldn't have had it spoiled, but you know, it's just not the way it worked that time. You know, we were taking turns answering the phone and it wasn't my turn. So let's get to the Avengers Endgame impressions, though. <laughs> let's talk about that right out the gate. So the first thing I have to say, and I've seen it twice now. I saw it in the theater twice. Um, the second viewing was infinitely better than the first viewing. I found the same thing to be true with Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. There's just something about watching a movie a second time when you know what's going to happen, where you can pay closer attention to the details. I find myself, I'm gonna, I might start doing that more and more, watching a movie a second time in the theater if, if I really liked it and the first impression was really good. So Avengers Endgame, I have to say, I really liked it. I really, really liked it a lot. Um, I am a big, I'm a big fan of closure. I want closure in a series. If you're gonna close something off, like do it. I hate when a show gets canceled early and you don't get to find out what happened to the characters. I don't like it, like right now in Game of Thrones, how they're kind of rushing the last season, and, and like you feel like you're not getting quality wrap ups to all your storylines, right? And so I thought Avengers Endgame was one of the perfect endings that they could have done for the for the Avengers story arc of the Marvel Universe. It, it it was just excellent. You know, and obviously after watching Infinity War, that left on an incredible downer. You know, obviously half the half the population of the universe gets disintegrated. And and there's you're like, holy crap. And that's how the movie ends, you know, really somber, really, really dark. So this movie starts off kind of with the same tone. It's actually a really interesting bridge. So the very beginning, Hawkeye is with his family because he's on house arrest. Hawkeye is with his family and he's, you know, he's doing whatever. And all of a sudden he turns on, his daughter's missing. He turns back around and his wife and other two kids are missing. Like he lost his entire family. And you're like, oh, and that's how they start the movie. And then it goes like black screen. And it's like the Avengers logo. And you're like, oh my God, like that, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't want to start off happy. They couldn't, you know? And so they hit you really hard. And then, um, so, you know, then it's been a few weeks, I think since, since Thanos snapped 
And the movie picks up with a bunch of the heroes, you know, trying to find him. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is like on a spaceship with um, uh, Gamora's sister. Oh, how am I totally spacing on her name right now? This is ridiculous. Um, but uh, so they're on the ship together. They're about to run out of oxygen and food. And then Captain Marvel saves him, brings him back down to Earth, where um, uh, basically they say they find out how to find Thanos. And so they go to Thanos. He's on his, you know, he's gardening. He's on his home planet because they found like another explosion. And this is kind of like one of the biggest first big spoilers of the movie, even though it happens like right away, is that they all go there and you find out that Thanos used the Infinity Gauntlet to destroy the Infinity Stones. And so the Infinity Stones are gone because the idea was that the Avengers were to go up there, take the stones back from Thanos, and then snap everyone back. That was the idea. And they go up there and he's destroyed them. The stones are no more. And so he's kind of talking, they're talking about prophecy, they're talking about, you know, this and that, and then Thor just straight cuts Thanos' head off, <laughs> like, in just one, just wah, and just takes his head off, and you're like, holy crap, and that's essentially the end of of that arc, because, you know, the Infinity Stones are gone, they can't bring anybody back, Thor's killed Thanos, <laughs> and you're just like, Nebula, God, her name's Nebula, I couldn't remember, that was killing me, and uh, so... So Thor kills Thanos, and that's it. They go back to Earth, and then it cuts to black screen, and it just goes five years later. And five years later is such a crazy time hop to think. And so they're looking at this almost, the world has almost this post-apocalyptic feel to it, like garbage is piled up everywhere, and like half the population is gone. So garbage is piled up everywhere, um, you know, uh, and then it opens to the scene where Ant-Man, because if you watch the end of Ant-Man 2, he was in the... Um, he was in the the zone, you know, that uh, like he shrunk himself down super small. And he's talking about how five years had passed, but for him it was more like five hours. And so they were, that's what eventually what this movie turns into because a lot of us thought, well, how are they going to do this, right? Is it going to be a time travel movie? Is it going to be a multiverse? They're going to go to other universes to get the heroes back. How are they going to do it? How are they going to bring them back? And it turns into, in the words of Ant-Man, a time heist. And it is awesome. So they, they basically decide that they're going to go back in time. And, and and so, like, you know, Ant-Man comes up with a theory of tra- of time travel through through that, um, you know, the small zone. I, I can't think of anything today. Why can I not think of the whatever they call it? Um, and, and so Tony Stark doesn't want to do it because Tony Stark has a family now. He's got a, a young daughter. And, uh, and so he, he basically, of course, Tony figures it out, you know, Hulk's trying and, and Hulk actually over, uh, goes through a really great change in the five years. They actually advance quite a few characters. Hulk ends up, um, being the best of both worlds. So over the five years, he started pushing himself to be, uh, he mixes the brain and the bronze. So he basically, he's a smart Hulk. It's pretty great. Like he's in Hulk form all the time. He's got glasses and he's, he's smart Hulk. It was, it was actually really cool to see a character advance over five years. And so they figure out time travel. Tony Stark figures it out, of course, uh, and they figure out how to do it. And they decide what they're going to do is they're going to go back in time, grab all the Infinity Stones, and then bring everyone back. So it turns into this awesome, nostalgic time heist. So you get like, um, for instance, uh, Cap, Iron Man, and uh, Ant-Man go to essentially New York during the events of the first Avengers. So while that fight's going on, they know that the time stone's there. They know that the, um, the Tesseract is there. And then they know that, um, there's another one that's there too. I think the, the power stone, whatever, whatever. So there's like three stones, basically they can all get there. And so they, they go and there's just, there's a couple awesome moments just in this scene alone where, so they, it's, they watch the end of the movie. Loki gets cap. You know they defeat Loki. Their their shield is securing the tesseract, and then, uh, you know they've got it in the suitcase like the the, the the gem, and they're getting in the elevator. And then Cap at the last minute gets into the elevator with them. And you look, and it's Rumlow, and it's the guy who's on Agents of Shield who was on the tanker in the beginning of Winter Soldier, and it's like all these guys that were like Hydra agents basically have it because you knew we knew that this was before the events of Captain America 2 so you knew they were part of Hydra but uh you know so you and 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 that's one of the iconic scenes from Captain America Winter Soldier is the elevator scene and so 
he's in the elevator and he's like, oh, you know, secretary, whatever, uh, I'm going to be taking over protection of the object. And, and of course, the guys in the elevator are like, I don't think so. We need to look into this. We need to check into this because, you know, cap is cap. And they know that they're all part of Hydra. And so I thought, oh, man, are we going to get to see another like elevator ass kicking scene? Because this was awesome. And all of a sudden, uh, Cap just looks over and goes, uh, you don't need to call him. It'll be fine. And he just leans in. Just Captain America says, hail Hydra. And you're like, oh, man. So he because Cap knew what they could say. And then everyone in the elevator is like, oh. You know, it was so cool because it was kind of a harken to that horrible, horrible uh, storyline of Captain America being a Hydra agent the whole time. But it was super cool uh, to see them acknowledge that and to see that, you know, be the way it goes through. So he ends up getting it. He's delivering it. And there's other stuff happening in the movie, obviously. But just to keep up with Cap's part, he's walking and he runs into the Captain America from that timeline. And at this point, Loki had actually... um, there was a problem where uh, they had dropped the Tesseract. Like, someone else had had it. And uh, and so Loki had, like, disappeared with it. And so Cap is, like, walking, trying to, like, relocate with everyone. Because at this point, I believe... Because one of them had the staff and one had the, the, the crystal. I don't know why they had to get both. It doesn't really matter. Um, and so Cap's going to meet up with them, thinking that they've been successful. And he's walking across the bridge. And by this point, Loki's already escaped. And the original Captain America from that timeline's walking. And he looks, and so the original Captain America, knowing that he's the real Captain America, and saw himself, goes, "I've got eyes on Loki." And so then Cap's like, "I'm not Loki. You don't want to do this, you know." And so they start fighting. So it's Captain America from the future versus Captain America from the past. So awesome. And one of the first things that happens is the old Cap like knocks him down and like flips him over, and then he stands up and goes, "I could do this all day," <laughs> which is a great callback. And so then the, the, the current cap, you know, the future cap is just like, yeah, I know, I know. And he pushes himself up. It was just, it was cool. You know, it was just, it was, it was, it was teeming with nostalgia. So that's just a good example kind of, of what kind of nostalgia out there there is, uh, for, for the franchise and everything. And, um, and it was, and, and how they were able to tap into that. It's something that I give credit to, to Hideo Kojima all the time when he made Metal Gear Solid 4. He was able to make you feel nostalgic for the old games like while playing a game. It's so it's so weird. Like you, you were able to feel something like when you go in Metal Gear, when in Metal Gear Solid 4, when you go back to Shadow Moses, like they start playing like like you fall asleep and have a dream and it, it has you running around in the original style graphics. And you're like, man, Kojima just knows how to tug at those strings, those nostalgic strings. And this movie did that the whole way through. And so you had this happening. Uh, there's another time thing where because uh, Rocket and Thor have to go get uh, one of the gems that are taking place during the events of Thor 2, where which is where Thor's mom dies. So he goes back and gets to have this great conversation with her, and she knows he's not the Thor from their time. And so they have this great one-on-one. Um, Loki steals the stone, as I was saying earlier, in New York. So they have to go to another point in time where that stone still exists, uh, along with more of the time-jumping juice, I'll call it, Hank Pym's you know, serum. And there was a time basically like in the 70s on a military base where Pym was working alongside of Tony Stark's dad. And so they go back there to try to do that again. And Tony runs into his own dad and he gets to have this like final conversation about being a father. And it's right before Tony was born. And and it's just so he gets to have this great conversation with his dad, which he never got to have as his dad got murdered, you know, by Bucky. <laughs> if you watch Captain America 3. And, and so there was just all these great nostalgic points. And during that same time, uh, Peggy Carter's on the base. So Cap sees Peggy who's just like, that's heartbreaking, you know, to know that he had her uh, and, and he fell in love with her, love of his life, and he went into the ice and he lost her, lost everybody that he knew, except Bucky, I guess. And so he doesn't contact her, though. Like, it, he has to keep his distance and they do the mission. And that's kind of the point, I think, because it captures out the mission. So they end up getting all the Infinity Stones uh, together um, through different things. And then, of course, the one of the bigger ones was... Uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow go to the to get the Soul Stone, which if you remember, that's Thanos had to throw Gamora off and kill Gamora to get the Soul Stone. Well, then obviously you know that someone has to die there. So the two of them are basically fighting over who's going to die, trying to help each other, protect each other, and uh, very, very, very touching stuff. Um, but yes, so um, uh, and and so Black Widow ends up sacrificing herself. 
uh, and and Hawkeye feels terrible. He wants to sacrifice himself because after his family died, he became he did they they gave him the Ronin character arc, which is him basically just murdering a bunch of people, and, and I mean they're bad people, but <laughs> still murder all the same. Like he just goes a little nuts in the murder department, which uh, which is okay, I suppose. Uh, if you're I, are you really a hero at that point? I don't know. Are you a superhero if you murder? I don't know. That's quite the quite the logical argument to uh, to have. Quite the debate. So we move on past that. They get all the stones back. Everyone's got all the stones. They're they're happy. They're ready to go. Uh, Tony has created a, a an Iron Man gauntlet. Essentially, they can put all the gems in. They put them all in. They're trying to argue who should snap, who can who can survive it. it comes down to Hulk. Basically, uh, says he'll do it because a lot of the radiation's gamma. He says he can survive it. Um, and so they do that. Hulk puts on this. He snaps his fingers, and then there's kind of like this blackout surge of energy. And during this whole time, uh, Nebula and War Machine had gone to get a stone from the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, right? The one that Peter Quill finds uh, in in like that special place the, the the like rundown destroyed temple or whatever and so they get that one but then you find out that the nebula from that time and the nebula from the future are like they have their brain waves are still crossing or something so thanos gets to start seeing everything that the future nebula who's a good the good nebula is seeing and so that's how thanos becomes aware so now this is the thanos from the past becomes aware that these future time travelers have come back to get the stones and so thanos has this really interesting moment of like wait a minute that means i was successful it means i did it and so he gets re-emboldened by that. And then he sees himself get killed, <laughs> which is him, of course, being like, oh, the prophecy was fulfilled. Like, I did it. And that that's the death of a of a true hero who did this. Because in his mind, the character for him was that he absolutely loved what he, uh, what, what he was going to do, and he felt destined to do it. So uh, with that all said, um, they during this time then, when they get the Infinity Gauntlet and they snap their fingers – Old Nebula had taken over. New Nebula taken the 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 time travel device, for lack of a better phrase, the quantic realm. Think I could I kept calling it the something zone, the quantum realm. <laughs> I'm, my brain's not working today, and uh, and so she uses that to warp back and take the place of old Nebula, and then she uses the time portal thing to open up a huge portal to let in Thanos and his army. So Thanos from the past has been brought in to the future now. Very interesting stuff. So then, uh, so after they snap their fingers and they wish everyone back, all of a sudden, like the whole of like the Avengers like base that they're at gets just bombarded with rockets. The whole thing gets destroyed. And so, uh, so Cap, you know, uh, they, they, it's a little bit of like a disaster story at that point. It's like, oh, we're trying to survive. There's a few people. Hawkeye finds the gauntlet. He's trying to get it back up to whoever is going to use it. And then Thanos is just there sitting there. He's basically waiting. And it comes down to Thor. And I didn't really touch on this because it was kind of weird, but Thor for the last five years has been really depressed and sad and he's fat. They made Thor fat. <laughs> it's it's hilarious and sad, but they made Thor really fat. But it comes down to at the end, it comes down to Thor, Cap, and Iron Man versus Thanos. And this is so cool. You're just like, this is almost like how it began. These are the three mains, you know, going against Thanos. And so there's this really awesome fight happening with them um and so like and they're going back and forth you know someone will fight and then thanos brushes them off um and uh and then like one of the unthinkables happens and it was it was a it was a legitimate uproar moment in the theater and if you've seen the movie you know what i'm talking about so there's this moment where thor's like getting choked out by thanos and everyone else is beat up he's getting choked out um and then all of a sudden you see like uh you see like uh, Mjolnir because they went in the past and they stole Mjolnir from the past. <laughs> so they had that again. And all of a sudden you see that and it starts moving like Thor's, you know, kind of got his arm out and it moves and it ends up like hitting Thanos and then it zips back and then it zips into the arms of Captain America. And, and you're just like, and like I said, the, the, how, the, the theater just howled and, and it was one of those like, like give you chills moments. It was so cool. And I know it's cheesy. I know it's fine. Call me a dork. It's fine. But like, so, so it just goes to cap and then cap's got Mjolnir and he's like looking at, and he's got his shield and Mjolnir. And then he starts beating the piss out of Thanos with Mjolnir. And he's like doing uppercuts and combos. He like throws it and then it comes back. He blocks it off his shield to hit him again. And then it's so freaking awesome. And this was something that they had been setting up since Avengers age of Ultron. Like there was the, uh, 
there was the moment where they're all like joking around the coffee table and like people try to pick it up and Steve Rogers goes to pick it up and it moves a little bit and Thor just like gets stone faced like, oh my God. And so it's great too, because when that happens, Thor screams like, I knew it because he knew that Cap would be worthy um, to, to hold it. And so anyway, it's just awesome, awesome moment. I mean, it's incredible. And so, you know, he's fighting Thanos, he's beaten ass. And then, of course, though Thanos still gets the upper hand on him, knocks the hammer out, knocks him down, and he's just like wailing on Cap's shield and it's just chipping away the shield. And you're thinking to yourself, no, I know that uh, Chris Evans is not coming back for another movie. Please don't kill Cap. Please, I can't, I can't handle a Cap death. Please. Please, 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 please don't kill Cap. And he's just beating on him in the shield like his his vibranium shield is just chipped to almost nothing. And then, uh, and so he's pretty much toast. And I don't remember exactly what happens. I think Thanos goes back and then he calls in his entire army. Like he, he goes, you know, he's like, I'm going to enjoy, destroy. he's like, I've never enjoyed my work. But I'm going to enjoy destroying you stupid humans in this planet. And so he like, he, he summons like portals in and the entire army, basically the army that they fought in Wakanda, same sort of army, gets brought to Earth. So now, well, Wakanda's on Earth, but gets brought to where the Avengers Tower was. And it turns into this sweeping battlefield. And it just looks like, I mean, and it's just Cap, Thor. I think even at that point, I don't even think Ant-Man was back because him, he was trying to rescue uh, Rocket and Hulk, I think, from under underground. And so, you know, it's like these armies are coming through and Cap gets up and his shield's just busted to shit and he tightens the shield like the belt, you know, he just tightens it around his arm and he's like, we got to do this. You know, like Cap would always go down fighting. I mean, just they, the Russo brothers, let me just take a quick break to say the Russo brothers who did this movie, they did Captain America two and three and they did Avengers three part one and three part two. They understand Captain America. Like, like, like the first Avengers movie and even Captain America I thought was okay, but like Cap America two and three, like the Russo brothers really understood what makes cap cap. And, and it was so, and I'm not even a huge Cap America fan, but it was just, it was just so well done. I can't say enough about it. So, uh, fast forward, uh, back to the conversation we're having and caps getting ready. He's getting ready for the fight of his life. And then all of a sudden his earpiece starts crackling and it's, uh, it's, um, it's Falcon. And he goes, Cap on your right, which is a callback to uh, uh, Cap America two when he's when they're running around like Washington and and Cap keeps saying on your right as he's lapping him around as Cap's doing lap after lap around Falcon, and so then um and you start to hear static and everything and then all of a sudden you start to see the the Doctor Strange like the the mystical teleporters opening and people start stepping through because if you remember as we said earlier they did snap their fingers they they brought everyone back. And so then Dr. Strange, basically, as soon as they came back, he went around and grabbed everyone knowing where the fight was going to be. Because if you remember in, in Infinity War, he said he looked forward to like 16 million futures and he found one where they win. And so he was doing everything he could to uh, to make that happen. And so they bring everybody in. And then so not only is it all the heroes and stuff and like Spider-Man pops out and everyone's like, yeah, Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man and all this other stuff. And then the whole Wakandan army's back. So they bring them back out. And they warp everybody in uh, to fight this war, uh, to fight Thanos' army. And so then it becomes this huge war again. And, you know, so it's very similar to the Wakanda battle, except it's not in Wakanda. They're fighting. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And then they, you know, and then Hawkeye emerges with the gauntlet. And he's like, what am I going to do? What am I supposed to do with this thing? And so then the idea was, let's get the gauntlet, I think. I don't know what the plan was at that point, if the, to get the gauntlet away from Thanos or to get it closer to someone who could use it. Um, Captain, like, uh, so there's this huge war going on. Thor or uh, Thanos decides to just bomb his own people. Even he's like, just blow up the whole earth. I want everyone dead. Like just kill everyone. So he starts shooting missiles out the earth. And it's like this huge explosions. Every, like all the heroes are getting kind of blown up. And they're like, Oh man, this is getting defeated. And then all of a sudden all the rockets turn and they start firing into space. And you're like, what the hell are they doing? And then it's captain Marvel comes zipping in and she destroys the ship in like one second course. Cause she's captain Marvel. <laughs> and, uh, so she destroys the ship. She comes down and they, they're still trying to get the gauntlet somewhere. I forget like what the point of the gauntlet, like getting it where it was because they were trying to do something. They were trying to get back to the van that, that had the little teleporter to the quantum realm in it to Scott, um, to, uh, Ant-Man's van. And, uh, and even little things like that, like when they're looking for the van, they hear like the, the ringtone or the, the key, the honk, the horn honk, which is, you know, dun, 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 dun. And so like even that was brought in as a callback from the Ant-Man movie. And so they, they really treated all this source material that led up to this movie. They treated, they treated it with, with great respect. 
And so, yes, so then uh, ultimately what ends up happening, I don't remember the whole gist of it all, but they're, they're trying to get the, they're trying to get the, I don't know if they were trying to throw the Infinity Gauntlet back in time so Thanos couldn't get it, but Thanos gets it, you know, like they're fighting and Thanos picks it up and Tony grabs it and Tony grabs it off. Him and, uh, so Iron Man and, and Thanos are, uh, are going back and forth and then Thanos like rips the gauntlet, rips the gauntlet off from the Iron Man hand, puts it on, or was that what it was? Was it the Iron Man hand? No, I don't think so. I think this was... Was this the original gauntlet? No. I'm trying to remember. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was. It was the Iron Man hand. Sorry. I, I had to think about it for a second. I got, apparently got to go watch this movie again for a third time. Rips, you know, so so Thanos rips it off and puts it on. And as soon as he puts it on, he's, you know, he makes the comment. And, and you could hear people in the theater. Like, there was one woman in the theater just going, are you kidding me? Like, he still gets it. And so Thanos is, you know, now he has the gauntlet. This is past Thanos in the future has the gauntlet. He snaps his fingers again. Nothing happens. And he's like, what? And he turns over and all the Infinity Stones are missing. Because I'm assuming what happened was Iron Man built that with, like, the nanotech that he's using for his suit. So when he had his hands around it, he was able to, like, transfer the Infinity Stones to himself. Because then it turns over to Tony Stark as Iron Man. He's got, and then so he, he, he's got it on, he puts the gauntlet or he ends up locking it in. And then the power starts surging through him because when Thanos is about to snap, he goes back to his line. He's like, I am inevitable. And he snaps and nothing happens. And then Tony Stark, you know, puts the gauntlet on and then he just goes, I'm Iron Man. And then he snaps and you're just like, which is a great callback to the first Iron Man movie, right? Like this movie was teeming with nostalgia. If, if you watch the whole cinematic universe up to this point, it had something for everyone. It had these great references. It was it was the ultimate culmination of a series. Very rarely does something build up to something like this and it actually pays off. This paid off. It paid off in droves. It was unbelievable. Like, I, I couldn't believe how it paid off. And so then Tony snaps his fingers and destroys Thanos and his entire army. And so you see all of Thanos' army disappearing like they did at the end of Infinity War. The heroes did. And then eventually Thanos sits down and he disappears into dust as well. Unfortunately, as they'd been alluding to the whole time, the, to, to use the Infinity Gauntlets takes incredible power from you. And it 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 basically burns up Tony Stark and, and it ultimately kills him. And so that's the end. That's essentially almost the end of the movie is Tony Stark makes the ultimate sacrifice he has to do uh, to save. Uh, and, you know, so so he, he snaps, he kills, wipes out Thanos' army, and then that's it. And then, uh, and then he, he passes on, uh, and then they, they have a very touching kind of funeral scene where like every character almost that's been in the Marvel movies is there, including, and this was kind of a funny story from the theater. So near the end of the back, there's an actor standing there and they kind of, they zoom in on him and then move past him. So he was a, he was a focal point. And so you think, well, who the hell was that? And I remember I looked at my brother and he's like, I don't know who that was. I looked at my friend Adam and he goes, well, I don't know who that was. <laughs> and so then I made a joke. I said, it's probably that dumb kid from Iron Man 3. It was the dumb kid from Iron Man 3. <laughs> it's totally out of the blue. Just guessed it. Uh, it was great. So it was the, it was the, even they even got the kid actor from Iron Man 3 to attend Tony Stark's funeral. I mean, that's just awesome. It was great. You know, and, and they even brought in like Michelle Pfeiffer, who plays the the wife of Hank Pym in Ant-Man 2. Like they brought in everybody just for a, a minute and it was great. Uh, and so that's kind of a touching scene, obviously really sad because Tony had a daughter and his big thing was if we're going to bring them back with the Infinity Stones, it can't erase the future because he's got too much to lose with his family, him and Pepper. But he ends up dying anyway, which really sucks. But we kind of had a new Hammer Cap had to or both were going to die. Because both said they don't want to do movies anymore. They're they're both. I mean, our, Robert Downey Jr. is getting paid so much for these movies. They can't afford to put him in movies anymore because he makes so much. He's taking so much of the profits for himself, which is fine. And you need to move on at some point. But he was great. Um, I mean, the movie was excellent. And then the very end scene is that the big one of the big plot points was that they had to return all the Infinity Stones back to their exact moment in time, or those worlds would diverge. So. You know, so Cap at the end says, okay, he's got Mjolnir and he's like, I'm going to return this. I'm going to return all the Infinity Stones and I'll be back. And of course, you know, Hulk and everyone's waiting around the teleporter just saying something like, well, um, you know, we'll send him in time. He'll take as long as he needs, but for us, he'll be gone only a minute and they'll, or a few seconds and they'll call him back. And so Cap goes out and Bucky's got this kind of funny look on his face. Like, you know, like he knows. So Cap America goes back in time 
And then they're at the machine. They're waiting. They go like five seconds. They call him back and he doesn't come back. Like they're hitting the button, like get cap back. Where's cap? And like, he's not, he's not back. We can't get him back. And then, and, and again, this is where time travel gets a little wonky. So, you know, you have to subscribe, you have to kind of unplug your brain and just let it be. But, uh, Bucky looks over and, and Falcon's there. Sam is there. Sam and Bucky look over and you see like an old guy sitting on this bench, looking into the water, like over there. And so they walk over and it's cap, you know, it's old cap, captain America, like 70 or 80 years old. And basically he went back in time. He returned everything. And then he decided to spend his life, um, with Peggy. And so he, he went back to the time and he got to like live his life and he got to have the love of his life. And I think there's something just incredible about that. Like I felt so happy that one, he didn't die, but two, he got to rest too. You know, he was always about the mission. He never got to have a life and he finally got to have it. And, uh, man, it was really touching, man. You know, it, it, uh, it was just excellent. I thought it was very well done. And yes, you could argue some weird time travel stuff. Like they talked the whole time about when you change something in the past, it, it diverts history. So realistically, if he went back and lived in that past, he, they probably wouldn't have been at that exact moment in time unless they did everything exactly the same. And if they did exactly everything exactly the same, how could cap sit by while all that bad stuff was happening? Even an older cap wouldn't have let that happen. He just, I just don't believe he could have. And, uh, and so there's some weird time travel stuff you have to get around, but don't worry too much about it. Really touching moment. He gives the captain America shield to Falcon and, uh, and passes on the, the, the captain America, you know, passes him on to, to Sam. And, and so it's a really touching moment too. The only thing I'm, a, I'm a little disappointed with there. And it's not so much that, that he didn't give it to Bucky, but that Bucky almost sidestepped it and said, Sam, you're closer friends with cap. Like you should have this touching moment. I would have thought Bucky would have had that touching moment with cap. You know, they were the ones who were friends forever. And that's the whole point of winter soldier was that cap couldn't let Bucky go. And he wanted to save him and rescue him. And while he was definitely good friends with Sam and Sam was his number one guy in the future, it just kind of seemed like, why didn't Bucky have more of a touching moment with him? I mean, that's the only thing I would say about this movie was there wasn't enough time to do everybody justice. And there are certain characters that really got kind of punked out, you know, and, and I feel like Winter Soldier was one of them. You know, I think Bucky was really one of the soldiers that or one of the characters that just got kind of tossed aside. And so it was really disappointing. Um, but, you know, so that's essentially, you know, so so Cap gets retired. Iron Man's dead. And, you know, now we're going to start this this new we're gonna start this new instance, this new, this new, I think technically Spider-Man Far From Home is the final phase of this, what they're saying, the final phase of this Marvel cinematic universe. And then who knows where they're going to go from there, but I'm very excited to see. And, and I, so my, my big takeaways from Avengers Endgame is, uh, that if, if you've watched the movies up to this point and you like them, you have to watch it if you haven't seen it already, but I've just never, I've never had something build up to something over the course of 10 years. And actually pay off, I don't think. I mean, this paid off um, 10 million times than I thought it would. And I, I guess it was just excellent. There was plenty of fanfare. You know, they did certain characters justice. They had to kill certain characters. When they died, they felt impactful. You know, it didn't feel cheesy. It just felt right. It felt great. Um, so anyway, I don't want to linger too much on it. But it just, uh, um, you know, it was uh, it was just it was a great farewell to that universe and to those characters. And I'm very excited to see where they go from here. Obviously I'm very excited for when we finally get to see the X-Men in the Marvel cinematic universe. I don't know when it's going to be, but I just pray that it's good. And I pray that it's, uh, that it's, you know, sooner rather than later. All right. So that's it for the podcast today, but we of course have our game of the week and we have our listener question. So let's, uh, let's hit the listener question here. Um, Okay, so listener question. Um, do you believe that, crowdfund- that crowdfunding games is a good way to gain capital towards producing the games of the future? And do you think that crowdfunding games could be a viable option as a way of voting with our money to revive lost franchises or games from AAA studios? Oh, I'm torn on crowdfunding. <laughs> I used to be really big on it. Uh, I-, I kickstarted a lot of things, and particularly I, I kickstarted a lot of projects from smaller companies because I thought, man, this guy's trying to live their dream and I want to live, you know, I want this guy to live their dream and, and I want to help with that. Cause I know what that's like to want to have a dream and ha- need help to achieve it. And then 
half of those projects that I've backed already, I'm still waiting for. There's a game called Ghost Song that I must have backed at least four years ago. Still in production, I guess. Getting updates saying like, hey, we're updating the graphics today. Well, I guess that's okay. It'd be really nice if I could play the game I paid a lot of money for. You know, because I, of course, bought like collector's edition, physical box, yada, yada. Um, and so I'm, I've really soured on crowdfunding. I very rarely do it anymore. Or if I do it, it's just at the bare minimum to get the basic copy. Because another problem is one of the things they often give you as a reward is they give you like early access to the game on Steam. And the problem with that is that early access to a game that's not finished, you play the early access and then you oftentimes don't go back to it. And then you don't even get to play the game that you paid all this money for because you feel like you played it already. So now the actual question, do I believe that crowdfunding games is a good way to gain capital towards producing the games of the future? Yes. In fact, it's proven to be so. I think, uh, you know, some of these projects, um, I just don't think that crowdfunding should ever be the only form of raising money. And I think that's what really comes down to is if, if you, if you're going to crowdfund, if you're going to crowdfund, you can't say, well, my goal is $10,000 to make this game. You know, it's going to cost you more than $10,000 to make this game. But your idea is that I'll get $10,000 and then maybe I can not, I can quit my job so I can work on it full time for a year or two. But that's not enough money to be full time for a year or two without having a job. So you're going to need money from somewhere else. So is it enough to get off the ground? And so many projects start like that and then say, oh, you know, we ran out of money. Sorry, we don't have the funds. Um, I forget the name of it. I did a few stories on it, but same thing happened with that. You know, and they're like, all they ever produced for like their $100,000 raised on Kickstarter was like some concept art. It's crazy. And that was a, a, a fairly known person. But yes, I do think it's a good way to gain capital and, and it shouldn't be the only sourcing, but it's a good way to start. And it, it's a better way, like your second part of your question, it's it's a better way to 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 gauge interest. So now you can say, well, we just had 2000 people just back this game for $10,000. Like people want this game. Let's make it. Let's, 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 let's make another one in this franchise or something, you know? Um, and I could see Konami doing that. Be like, Hey, we, we're going to hire a small studio to make a new castle, a 2d Castlevania game. You know, if we, if we hit our goal of a hundred thousand on Kickstarter, we'll make the game. That's all you have to say. And it will happen. I, and it will happen. It's no, that's no, that's no joke. I mean, it will happen. Uh, so, you know, so there's that. <laughs> um, and then, yes, is crowdfunding games a viable option of voting with our money to revive lost franchises? Well, we're already kind of seeing that. Um, Toe Jam and Earl came back. Um, River City Ransom came back. I know there's others I'm missing too, but a lot of games have come back like that. Now, again, Konami could do that with Castlevania, and they wouldn't have to do it. They could hire Way Forward to do it. They do great 2D games. Hire uh, Cognitive. They could do it. They make great 2D games that look like NES games. You know, hire Yacht Club Games. They did Shovel Knight. Hire them to make a, a a Castlevania game. You tell me they couldn't do it? There's so many talented people out there that could do it if they had enough money and time. So I think it's something that really should happen. Um, now, as far as revived lost franchises from AAA studios, now let's talk about something like Metal Gear Solid 6. Would I crowdfund Metal Gear Solid 6? Well, without Hideo Kojima, probably not. <laughs> because it's probably going to be awful. I mean, it just seems like a bad idea. But what about... I don't know. Let's just pick a franchise that I like. Dark Cloud. Dark Cloud 2, 1 and 2 are PS2 RPGs. Great games. Nino Kuni 2 is basically Dark Cloud 3, but they called it Nino Kuni 2. Uh, 